Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And Melikluki Maka, motherfuckers, we're doing a Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's Hawaiian, in case you didn't know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bing Crosby taught that one to me. Yep. Um, and that is the right side of the country for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Is, um, the, the Pacific Ocean. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is a, a West Coast um, pre-Christmas movie. It's a Christmas Eve movie, specifically. Yeah, but I... Yeah, fine. That's true. <laughs> to be pedantic. But, I mean, it takes... The last few minutes take place yes, on Christmas. that's correct. Midnight, so... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, con- uh, correction there. Uh, back check. <laughs> <laughs> Three Pinocchios. Oh god, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this movie we're we're doing today is Mixed Nuts, which came out in 1994. Um, a screwball film, screwball comedy, uh, directed by Nora Ephron. Uh, directed and written, actually, I think. Yeah, yeah. Her and her sister, uh, Delia, starring Steve Martin, Madeline Kahn, Robert Klein, Anthony LaPaglia. Juliette Lewis, Rob Reiner, Adam Sandler, Lee Schreiber, Gary Shanling, Rita Wilson and Catherine O'Shaughnessy, Parker Posey and John Stewart, Julie Fisher, Stephen Wright, and Haley Joel Osment. Uh, quite a cast. What wild a fucking cast. wild cast. <laughs> and if we're being honest, that's 90% of the reason we picked this movie. Oh, 100%. I mean... Well, also Christmas. E- oh, well, that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it both makes and breaks this film this cast honestly yeah but the the second half of that list i just read um they're all one scene cameos Mm -hmm. what one or two scene cameos and then the rest of them who make up the ensemble um you see them throughout the film but Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it it could maybe be a little less star studded i I feel like it sometimes it doesn't really um, get going until they're all in the room only in the last act does it really like come together yeah but before that, um, I mean, just like these disparate parts, um, Steve Martin at his worst, maybe. I mean, really yes. unfunny throughout I think, the majority of this film. I think, I think he only really came into his own in real life once he went gray, hmm. honestly, like his hair. Like once he became Silver Fox, he kind of took off. But um, yeah, this was a really rough. Yeah, but the jerk is before this. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And Fine. perhaps Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? general tendency we're talking about i don't know i was trying to i was trying to do a joke on this on this jokey podcast lewis but you couldn't no this is i'm just gonna be Um, very pedantic today sorry we we need it for this one um yeah just all all, with with a couple exceptions the entire main cast is really poorly directed um just not funny no Mm mm-hmm um, yeah, so the bare bones plot is uh, Steve Martin, Madeline Kahn, and Rita Wilson run a suicide hotline um, out of uh, just a dilapidated uh, condo. Really quick, the weird order of this list lists Rita Wilson towards the end. It's in the, like the second half, even though she's like a pro- yeah, more prominent I know, character. It's so strange, like. In- but that that's one of the reasons when I just listed all the, the actors here, I said Rita Wilson and Catherine O'Shaughnessy <laughs> as if Catherine O'Shaughnessy was a real person. And also because right below that, the next entry is Parker Posey and John Stewart. So I thought it was like another and gotcha, and. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I so. thought that was weird. I was just going to edit it out, but now I'm going to keep it in. 
Oh yeah, because I just explained <laughs> it. You just explained <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's strange because like this is from IMDb, and IMDb just generally copies what the credits are listed as. Maybe they didn't yeah, maybe, here. I don't know, but it's the only not alphabetical. Maybe she's considered less well known at the time than like everyone above her. Maybe I don't know. Sure. Yeah. So they run a suicide hotline. They're a nonprofit. Um, things aren't looking great for them, and um, they have some quirky people in their orbit. Uh, hijinks ensue. Yeah, it was um, a box office bomb. It only made six point eight million against its budget of twenty million. Um, only ten percent. Uh, tomato meter score uh whereas 46 percent for the audience isn't isn't too bad that's actually a, a bigger disparity than you than we usually mm-hmm. see it's a big bump up yeah mm-hmm. i actually read a lot of uh, user reviews on imdb where people are like i'm so sad this movie is mostly getting two-star reviews because i love it it's my brand of humor and it's like oof buddy <laughs> i mean i like this movie more than i thought i would because you saw it before me and you told me that it was bad and then just looking at at those scores, I thought it would be dog shit. Um, I don't, I don't like it that much, but like it, it's better than what I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, when I was sending you those texts, the third act hadn't happened yet. Uh-huh. Um, yes. So I will say, like, I think the third act is redeemable, whereas like everything before it is just utter dog shit. And it's a good premise to like for for like a black comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Like operating a suicide hotline on christmas that's that kind of a, a lot of things write right. itself from that christmas eve but apparently even more pretend sorry <laughs> wait what's that christmas christmas eve oh my god <laughs> on christmas eve and on christmas to be yes. even more pedantic because the film takes place over both days right. but they actually probably don't operate it on christmas because of what happens so but we actually don't uh, we don't see it though i don't know yeah you're right fine. yes okay yes thank you actually there's also um, a, a a big time jump at the end we'll have to get to that as well oh my god yeah. <laughs> which brings it all together <laughs> but i was gonna say the the very concept is good but that doesn't matter because of this movie was also based off of a french film yeah called um le père noel est une ordure which means santa claus is a stinker <laughs> an amazing title um yeah it was made in 1979 like i've never heard of this film um nope. I, you know for that matter i have never heard of mixed nuts until i was just doing yeah. a cursory google search about like terrible christmas movies um mm-hmm. but it's funny actually i was looking up um there's this small indie theater um where i'm from on long island and uh i was like oh maybe i'll see what they're playing because i'm going home for christmas and they are playing mixed nuts at like a 10 yes. p.m showing as part of like their cult series (laughs) oh man i mean that that would get a lot of play during like christmas time like yeah shitty long island film bros going home and just looking for something to do to get get away from their families Mm -hmm. and i think i bet this film is like a smash hit amongst boomers like or even gen x i can totally see that it has like their brand of humor throughout Yes, it definitely does. It has like a lot of um, Gen X like staple names like Lee Schreiber and Adam Sandler and stuff, um, like early roles, and that, right. that would definitely appeal mm-hmm. to that kind of person. Yeah, 
And they have, you know... Gary Shandling. Right, Gary Shandling. And then you have, like, you have Robert Klein and Madeline Kahn for, like, the boomers. And, of course, Juliet Lewis for the Gen X people. Um, Rob Reiner kind of for both. Kind of crossover hit there. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet, like, Stephen Wright's cameo would get, like, a standing ovation. Yeah, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just, yeah, it's a strange film that... Um, mm-hmm. I can totally see people loving. I actually thought it would have a, a larger audience score. Like I thought it would be somewhere mm-hmm. in like the seventies for the tomato meter or the I think, Rotten Tomatoes audience score. I think that just speaks to the the inept tone and like the inept um direction and just it yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have said seventies, I would say like forties, fifties. I just feel like the comedy is like so perfectly normy. Yeah. And lowest common it's, denominator. Yeah, it's it's like perfectly normy. It, it's it's a perfectly normy take on a very dark subject. Right. Right. Which which is a perfectly normy thing to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Fascinating film. Um, mm. So uh, let's get into it. Or well, let me read this review first, and then we'll get into it. Um, so we have a Washington Post review by Hal Hinson. Uh, Hinson writes, is there anything more excruciating than a failed farce? Um, I mean, yes, there probably are things that are more excruciating, Hal, but uh, we'll continue. Uh, to, be, to, be, to be pedantic, Hal, <laughs> many, many things more excruciating. <laughs> uh, in Mixed Nuts, Nora Ephron's anti-comedy about the staff of a suicide hotline service on Christmas Eve, the characters race around in a constant state of panic. Even on the best of days, they can't seem to come to a caller's rescue without botching the intervention. And because Philip, Steve Martin, who runs the service, has been informed by the landlord they are being evicted, the level of madness is rising exponentially. Usually, Efren is one of the most reliable comic voices in the movies, but here her gifts seem to have deserted her. Though she shows her customary talent for smart one-liners, the spirit of the film is forced and desperate, as if she lacked faith in her gangs and was trying to shove them down her throats. The storyline itself is as shallow as it is pointless, a flood of weak laughs surrounding little islands of pathos. Primarily, it exists as a showcase for the film's stellar cast. I was with good old Hal right up until that last statement. Um, it exists as a showcase for the film's stellar cast. <laughs> like... <laughs> Again, with 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 two notable exceptions, um, not really. Well, I think I think what he's trying to say is like this is why it was made, and this is like what they were trying to convey. Like they just, sure. they, okay. you know, this was supposed to be like this great ensemble film where these actors get to act. You know, the the meat and potatoes of acting, um, but it falls flat. Yeah, that's um, I'm like I said, I, I agree with the general sentiment of what he said. I, I agree with with much of the with the much of the review there. Um, a flood of weak laughs surrounding little islands of pathos is very apt. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's like very well said. Yeah. Although it would be more apt if this film took place in Hawaii. Mm, oh damn! Which it wow. doesn't. It takes place in was, Los Angeles. Have we said that yet? I don't know. Um, we we alluded to the whole Pacific Ocean thing right. when I did my weird Malikaliki mm-hmm. Maka opening. <laughs> Yeah, but no, folks, it does not take place in Hawaii. It's L.A. Um, I don't know where... Oh, they say it 
in the movie. I don't remember where. Which it's beach Santa it is? Santa Barbara, I think. Is it, let's go with that. It's stereotypical L.A. land as as envisioned by the casual viewer in 1994. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you got the boardwalk. You have, um, you know, the, the, the serpentine um, sidewalks where there's rollerbladers mm-hmm. and, you know, little curio shops and stuff like that. Yeah, and we actually both commented on this um, when we were talking about the movie, too. The opening is pretty good. It's just um, shots of Steve Martin riding his bike down one of the down one of the sidewalks. Um, And it's like really hazy and like it's it's primarily shooting him against the beach, like the beaches in the background. Mm -hmm. And it looks really bleak and like depressing and like it sets the it sets the tone pretty well it does and you know it it sets um the the milieu as well like we see um there's a a sandcastle snowman there's um just little other bits of like la scattered around with like you know some kind of uh christmas accoutrements there's three people dressed up as the the three wise men yep and they have a they have a donkey next to them and it's like pictures pictures two (laughs) dollars And they show up at the end too. They, so that's, that's right. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then we are thrown right into the action in this first sequence. Are we ever? Uh, <laughs> um, we get our first limited cameo of Parker Posey and John Stewart yep. playing a couple. Yep. Who are rollerblading while they carry their Christmas tree, um, but they bump into two of the main characters. Yeah, uh, or that three. But there's like bump. There's like into, this big, yeah. this big like mm-hmm. poorly, poorly justified like physical comedy bit where people jumble together and stuff. Yeah, they're they're skating one way, and then um, Anthony Lapaglia's character of Felix and Juliet Lewis's character of Gracie are arguing. Um, mm-hmm. Gracie is pregnant. Uh, Felix is the father. Um, she's seven months pregnant. Um, but uh, she runs like a curio shop and Felix is uh, an ex-con who um, wants to be an artist. Uh, and she's like, you're a loser. I'm breaking up with you. Um, he has a Santa suit on. And what's the reason behind that? The entire, entire that? film. Yeah. He like stole either, it from her? Yeah. It's her Santa costume and he's either wearing it or in his underwear yeah. the entire damn film, <laughs> which is pretty great. It's great. Um, so yeah, they're running through the streets and Anthony LaPaglia dressed as Santa hits into uh, the tree that is being carried by John Stewart and Parker Posey. Um, then they all fight. And um, this is when Steve Martin as Philip, um, we, we finally, uh, we, this is the first time we get, uh, hit, we see him in action at his, um, you know, what he does, his career, which is right. uh, intervention. Um, usually it's suicide intervention. Right. And, and there's, they establish this throughout the film. People comment on how he's good at dealing with people over the phone, but he's bad at dealing with them in real life. Yeah. And he, he's terrible in the scene. He does nothing. Yeah. That, that like parallel, like tracking could have been done better. Mm-hmm. Like they could have, they could have, it could have been integrated into the story and the characterization a lot better. Cause we're, we're literally told that like, Oh, you're, you're awkward and bad in real life, but you're good on the phone, but he's really not that good on the phone. No, it's just yeah, he's um, terrible on the phone. And he's terrible in real life. Terrible in general. <laughs> and they just, yeah, they just keep saying it. It's like a mantra it's like trying to hypnotize us to think that that's true but if like we you're told we're not shown yeah, to we're told we're not common. shown but if you really pay attention um yeah he is pretty bad on the phone uh with literally every caller and there's probably five or six callers throughout the first act of the film 
Right. And um, also working at the nonprofit with him is Madeline Kahn and uh, Rita Wilson. They are his two coworkers. Um, the dynamic is supposed to be like Madeline Kahn is supposed to be sassy and like the sassy older woman. And Rita Wilson is the put upon younger woman yeah. who is harboring secret love for, for Steve Martin. Um, but we're, we're, we're literally told that too, actually. Mm. Like at, at one point. In that first scene. Yeah, like we're it, it's it's within the like the character's dialogue. We're not like it, it's like stated as such. We're not yeah. like shown that, or mm-hmm. it's not like intimated in, in any interesting way. No, and the only way that Steve Martin figures out later that she likes him is because I think Ms. Muchnick, played by Madeline Kahn, like tells him outright. She tells <laughs> she tells him beneath that mousy exterior lies flaming lust, and she wants to rip your clothes yep. off, which is like. The description Nora Ephron probably wrote for the character when like sketching this right. out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the descriptive text in the screenplay. It's, uh, it's yes, not the line exactly. that someone should say. It's like when Kevin Zorbo in in Hercules when uh, he he said <laughs> disappointed yes. as opposed to being disappointed. Uh. <laughs> in in fa- in fairness to to good um, MAGA head Mr. Sorbo, I think that was a that was an outtake. Was it okay? It wasn't actually. Yeah, in... that, that's not. That's not. I've never seen a full episode of Hercules: Legendary Journeys, but that that meme is confirmed from that. Ah, that's a bummer. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. He he's made some Christmas movies, I think. Well, he he's gone off the deep end because I mean, gone off. He he's been off the deep end because he um he's done like he did God's Not Dead. Yeah, he did all of them. He, right? Is he in all of them? No, he no, and because I'm a. I'm a weirdo, and I, I like to hate watch stuff. I, I, I've seen <laughs> clips of God's Not Dead, and I, I read this like the, the the plot and everything. He dies at the end of the first one. Oh. He he's the angry atheist professor who challenges the good Christian right. kid to prove God isn't dead. Uh, amazing. Um, amazing. And and he gets hit by a car at the end, and he makes a deathbed conversion, and so he goes to heaven. Wow. Yes. I'd say we should do that movie, but I no. It's just too bad. It, it it sounds really bad, and like it's it's too much like nostalgia critic territory. It's like mm-hmm. too obvious. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that's why I don't think we could do like the Kirk Cameron, um, right? Oh, Saving Christmas. Saving Christmas, or the um, the I really want to see Saving Christmas, <laughs> or his Rapture films, really whatever those are called. Yeah, what are those ones called? Left Behind. Left Behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, but, um. We don't have to do those with Molly. I know she had said she wanted to do those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were thinking about saving Christmas actually, um, mm-hmm. but then we well we still we still did a Christmas film. Uh, <laughs> look who's <laughs> look who's talking now. Um, you get two Christmas films in one year, folks. Um, several mm-hmm. months apart. <laughs> Back to mixed nuts. Even though we're a couple mixed nuts ourselves. Hey. hey. Oh, this is a joke I was going to make. Uh, mixed nuts is a mixed bag. <laughs> okay. I was gonna try and say that in the beginning. I, that was I good. forgot. That, that was that was very appropriate here, though. Uh, so what what else happens? We're we're introduced to two other oddball screwball characters. Uh, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His bass player. He's you. He Louis. is you, Louis. Yeah. He's um, the fucking best. He's oh my. He's God. the downstairs neighbor. He has an unrequited crush on Rita Wilson. Yeah. Um. He plays his his ukulele and he does his like his snl singing voice yeah. and it's 
it's fucking great. That's how we're, how we're introduced to him great. as well. When he's just like doing some little song um, to the down. to the I think to the tune of Jingle Bells, and he's just saying like no. random shit. <laughs> it's uh, here. Let me let me consult my 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 notes here. Um, fuck it's it's I like eating cheese. Yeah. It's very nice, <laughs> but it's not as nice as it is for mice. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, I'm glad you wrote that one down. That was my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. but actually we're skipping ahead a little bit in, in terms of his introduction because, um, Who cares? What else? What else? Oh, Madeline right. Kahn gets stuck is, in the elevator. Right. And that's, that's pretty funny. And, uh, there's actually an interesting shot. Um, they put the camera inside the elevator shaft. It's like a, it's like an open air elevator. It just like, yeah. has like wire walls mm-hmm. so you can see inside. Right. Um, for the action, of course it, it's done for cinematic for like, for the script purposes. Um, but yeah, just some interesting it, they actually do something with the camera, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In general, the camera doesn't move a lot or do anything interesting. Um, the film's kind of shot like a play, um, which usually I'm fine with, but... Which is why that elevator chef sh- shot was so notable right. to me. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, just the majority of it doesn't look interesting in this film. No. It's just kind of... It's like it's like a sitcom. Yeah, it's very sitcom-y. Um, just very boring looking tableaus throughout i mean with with a few more drafts it would be better as like a screwball play mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure um and maybe the french one's good probably not because french comedy suck but <laughs> yes. i mean it's probably better than this yeah so yeah Mad- madeline kind gets stuck in the elevator um Adam Sandler can't hear her because he's jamming out to his headphones. Yeah, that's how we're introduced to him, and uh, we're also introduced to the um, the motif of the uh, fruitcake. Right, the the fruitcake that no one can get rid of, which is kind of like a time honored Christmas staple. Yeah. Um. So Madeline Kahn gives the fruitcake to Steve Martin, like the previous year. Um. And then he regifts it to right. her. He regifts it. Yeah. Uh, and then she throws it at adam sandler with misses so it just lands on the floor yeah um to get his intention when she's stuck in the elevator shaft um we also are introduced to the landlord character uh stanley right um right. who um gary shandling. gary shandling he um he serves uh them a eviction notice well just steve mm-hmm. martin um because they're converting the um spaces into luxury condos in the building yeah this, this was a little bit of a leftist angle mm-hmm. like it's it's specifically the, the whole plot is kicked off by um by gentrification yeah gentrification shitty landlord um an eviction and yeah so steve martin has to uh, uh, hide the eviction notice uh, from uh rita wilson and uh madeline khan throughout the majority of the film they don't see it until i guess the third act i mean i think that's maybe what ends the second act yeah, because throughout the first and second act, he's he's trying to scramble to think of ways to to get the money while also hiding the news from them. Right, and so it's like a lot of pratfalls and everything. And um, and yeah, Rita Wilson only finds out when she gets her present from from Steve Martin. Right, which is which is towards which is towards the end of the second act. But Ma- and Madeline Kahn figures out before that. No, after. Is it after that when she's like, no, no, it's when Juliette Lewis and Madeline Connor in the room and Juliette Lewis is like, can I have scissors to cut a snowflake? And that's happening while Rita Wilson and Steve Martin bring 
Felix, Felix to, to the, the vet. Yeah. Okay, we're skipping around a lot here, folks. Um, Whatever. <laughs> fuck it. This, the, the, the whole first and second act of this movie, it's just a bunch of vignettes of like awkward situations mm-hmm. and, and pratfalls and screwball comedy bits. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of presented out of order. Um, a couple of the other notable things that happened were introduced to Chris, the character played by Liev Schreiber in his first film role. Yeah. Wild. Which is wild. Yeah. And he does a... He does... For a very for a very problematic character in a very shitty movie, he does a great job. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, mm-hmm. It's just really surprising. Um, yeah, so he plays Chris. Um, Chris is a trans woman um, who yes. they in the. I wish I had the DVD, uh, the back of the DVD in front of me right now. I actually rented <laughs> this movie from the library. Um, it was. It says like "Twas the night before Christmas" and all through the house. Uh, crazy people were stirring and it says like a transvestite a bl- uh, a crazy pregnant woman a blah 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 Thanks. like the back of <laughs> yeah. the dvd case is ridiculous um but they call her character a transvestite throughout the movie yeah and they misgender her often mm-hmm. and um and in the one when the character was first introduced she she was calling the suicide hotline because feeling bad right. christmas yeah she was lonely family, all that on stuff. christmas day or christmas right Eve. and um and after she guilts Martin, Steve Martin, into like giving her the address so she can come over and just see people in her life, uh, she leaves her house and like we're shown her family, and it's like a very happy Hallmark Christmas card stereotypical family. People are just like opening presents and, and eating stuff, and um, the father calls her Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then the whole family starts chanting Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, that is, it's a horrible joke that's playing on, like, trans anxieties, but, like, it was so dark mm. that I thought the movie would be more sympathetic to the character. Right, exactly. Um, so that kind of, that that opening really dark joke really kind of hit me the wrong way, and I thought the movie would have a more sympathetic portrayal, but it was not nuanced whatsoever, no. of course. I mean, even later on when Steve Martin starts warming up to her, like, it's still... There's the transphobic jokes. There's the misgendering. Um, You know, it really, it's never really rectified until a little later in the movie. Until the the very last scene kind of does a little bit to save it, but we'll we'll save that for the end. Yeah, no, but I like the introduction of the character, Chris. Like you said, like she calls the hotline. um, We see her, it cuts to her in her room and then it cuts to, um, one of the more interesting tableau shots. So, like, there there are a decent amount of, like, tableau shots in this film. What's a tableau shot, Lewis? Uh, a tableau shot. So, a tableau is um, a work of art, generally a painting. Actually, it's French for table. Oh, well, sure. But, <laughs> I, I mean, like, in terms of the, the medium, you know, filmic medium, artistic medium, it's... Um, Actually, I, I failed my seven years of uh, junior high and high school French. Tableau means board in English. <laughs> French it does not mean table. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, yeah. But also tableau with an X, T-A-B-L-E-A-U-X in French means paintings. Like it, it refers to like the, like the tapestry of, of images and colors on, on a painting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you translate that to... Uh, film um, right. it generally is a, a static shot um, perhaps a widescreen shot where there's a lot going on in a scene uh, or maybe not a lot going on in a scene but there's a lot of stillness um, and we're just kind of presented um, something 
somewhat important. So, so I'm thinking something like a lot of the scenes in, um, in like Barry Lyndon, mm-hmm. yeah, which are which are very always described as like painterly, and um, and Kubrick had developed like special NASA cameras so they could shoot right. the the, yes. the candles the candle mm-hmm. candlelit scenes, um, very tableau imagery. Yep, for sure. Um, well, and even uh, a lot of Kubrick has tableau stuff in it. Um, if you mm-hmm. think of um, another Christmas movie, actually, the Shining. Um, eyes well, no, eyes wide out of face, uh, or eyes shit, <laughs> eyes wide shut. What's, what's eyes, eyes wide shut? Face? Eyes wide. That's also a film as well. That's a French okay. film. Uh, it's a French <laughs> horror film. Um, but no, eyes wide shut. Okay. Yes. Um, there's a lot of tableaus in that. Uh, specifically, the scenes with Nicole Kidman and the sailor guy. I have not seen as wide shot. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. there's these um, shots in the film um, because Tom Cruise thinks his wife is cheating on um, him, and right. uh, there's like these tableau shots of like uh, Nicole Kidman in very suggested poses with like a sailor. Okay, yeah. Um, which apparently, um, while they filmed it. Uh, Tom Cruise wasn't allowed to be on set because at this time, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise were married. Right. Um, and uh, Kubrick wanted to fuck with Tom Cruise so much. Yes. He was like, you can't be on set. We're going to do this for days. And we're going to have uh, your wife and this sailor guy, this actor sailor guy, uh, naked and just in suggestive poses uh, for hours at a time. Hell yes. That's awesome. Um but yeah, so this shot's a tableau, and it's from a weird angle too. It's kind of it's a pretty low angle. It's not exactly yeah. um, like a worm's eye view, but child's eye view. Yeah, like a child's Hobbit, eye view. Hobbit's eye view. Yeah, um, I think that's actually done to emphasize Schreiber's height. Right, emphasize which... the height, but I think also kind of like emphasizes like the sideshow that is like a normal family. Yeah, because yeah. like these people are all like just shitty like the the kids are like stealing stuff out of chris's like purse and as chris leaves she has to like take her like lighter out of this kid's hand and like take the purse away from another kid and um you know the 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 patriarch is just in his lazy boy chair and you know (laughs) misgenders her and um and the whole family chants that which is again it's so mean-spirited that if like that if that if if the mean-spiritedness that's shown to the trans character was extended towards every character this movie would be better mm-hmm. like if it, if it was more just broadly like like this misanthropic black comedy but it too much of it is heaped on this character specifically for for not falling into conventional gender norms mm-hmm. oh definitely i mean everybody else is you know these endearing losers yeah. um yeah yeah um so uh, what else is worth mentioning? Oh, yeah. So, Juliette Lewis, uh, her character, Gracie, she knows Rita Wilson's character, Catherine, mm-hmm. um, because she thinks she calls the hotline a lot. No. They, they, they say met, something, right? No, they, they met at um, a spouses of alcoholics meeting. That's right. Very, very, like, fight club way to meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because Rita Wilson's like, oh no, my or, or it was like a children, children and spouses of alcoholics meeting, <laughs> and Rita Wilson's like, yeah, my neither of my parents were alcoholics. I just wanted to meet men. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those are called Al-Anon meetings. Um, but yeah, I guess if you say that out loud, most people wouldn't know what that is, so they just right. say the children and spouses of alcoholics thing. 
your buddy Stephen Wright has a cameo. Yep, Stephen Wright has a cameo. Um, suicidal man, suicidal a guy at a payphone. Um, He's got a gun. <laughs> yep, he shoots himself. Uh, yes, he kills himself off screen. We don't see it. Um, we hear it. They do this weird thing where they're like, so when they're calling someone and they have like static on their line, they're like, oh, click the phone, click the phone to get a better reception. Is that something you would do, or that just hangs up the phone? I, yeah, I I don't know. Because they say it a couple times to different characters. Like, in when I first heard that, I read it as like they're trying to get people off the phone because they're right. shitty people. Mm-hmm. But the char- but the the people they're talking to honestly do sense like the fictional phone call is there, there's there's static added to right. the call. Right. So like it it lends credence to to the initial claim mm-hmm. that is that it's just a static staticky call. Right. So I don't know. I just poorly presented either way. <clears throat> either way. We have Rob Reiner uh, as a veterinarian. Not as Santa Claus. Not as, as a veterinarian. Which <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised me. Um, yeah, we, we meet the vet. This is, this is kind of funny because in, in the general miasma of, of slapstick that, that happens, um, Felix is knocked out. Gracie knocks out Felix, actually. Right. Like she bangs his head on the door. Yeah, when he first comes to the uh, suicide hotline place. Right, which yeah. which is also Steve Martin's apartment, which mm-hmm. we should mention. Right. He lives there. Um, yeah, he, he gets like a, a like a light concussion. He, he gets his head bashed or whatever, and so they need to bring him into, into the doctor. But Gracie's like, oh, I can't afford a doctor. So they bring him to um, Steve Martin's friend, uh, the vet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Kinsky. Dr. Ki- Dr. Kinky. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Kinky Boots. Yeah. Um, uh, there's actually a really funny line when they when they bring him in. Um, Rob Reiner's in the back. He's just like getting dressed for a date or whatever. And so Steve Martin goes into the back to get him. So Rob Reiner doesn't see that Felix is a, a human and not yeah, a cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, Steve Martin's like, oh, can't you can't you help him? Like it, he just his head got his head got like banged up he he just it'll take you five minutes but you like you you'll have time to go on your date and um and then reiner's like okay fine i'll, I'll do it quick like how did it happen <laughs> see martin goes like oh lover's quarrel yeah Reiner's like oh come on man don't get anthropomorphic on me yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's why i call him dr kinky mm-hmm. yeah um and then he has um what roger ebert thought was a really funny line about bed pillows are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I almost uh, included this review because oh, it was my. so ridiculous. But Roger Ebert a, thought yeah. the bed pillow uh, joke was hilarious. Roger Ebert is a misogynist hack. <laughs> <laughs> He's awful. Because <laughs> we get this bullshit. It's not even a monologue. It's like no. two or three lines yeah. from Rob Reiner about... He's like, oh, what's up with women in pillows? Like, they they have round pillows. They have square pillows. They have yeah. heart-shaped pillows. You have to take all these pillows off the bed before you go to sleep. You, you just need two. One for you, one for her. Why are there going to be 12? Take my wife, please. It's like... One <laughs> it's so low, low-energy, shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I've heard it before. Like, I, you know, it's just... That and, like, the fruitcake thing. Like, it's, these are just, like, you know, the most common jokes... Um, the fruitcake the fruitcake thing was a bit more it was a bit better um in my opinion just because like the actual they don't make too many jokes about the word or the concept of fruitcake like they actually do stuff with it like they throw it out the window and it hits somebody's car right 
yes. it's like it's like the the fruitcake itself is used for comedic purposes mm. um right it's it's marginally more clever yeah yeah no it's true um it conceptually those jokes are boring but in the practice of this film um they they do something with it that's true yeah and um so they sew up felix <laughs> didn't he say didn't the felix says something like oh like nobody was named nobody was named felix before the cat was yeah no so rob reiner says something to felix about his name uh and cats and felix is like before there were cats named felix there were people named felix <laughs> and rob reiner's like i, I can prove otherwise <laughs> <laughs> he is he is good he's he's a yeah. good fail son yeah no he, he is um and then uh, Felix like takes an overdose of like dog tranquilizers at this point. Yeah, he just he overhears Rob Reiner say something like, "Oh, when when I castrate that dog over there, he won't feel a thing because he'll be hopped up on these." And he shakes yeah, the bottle, yeah. and then um, he starts talking to Steve Martin about some annoying bullshit. And then <laughs> Felix kind of shuffles off frame. And the next time we see him, he's just like loop like like rag doll, just yeah. completely out of it. <laughs> Um, so they do like the classic thing of like trying to get him to walk and then they're like dunking his head in water, like just ice cold yeah. water. And uh, um, another thing that's funny about the vet, I forgot, is when we first go to the vet, um, there's a lot of, of weird musical cues in this movie, yeah. weird and unfunny ones. Mm-hmm. But this one was funny because it's a a barking and, and meowing rendition of We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very on the nose, but like it, I mean, it was good. Because yeah. it's a, it's yeah. one of the better scenes of the film too. Oh like, yeah. Besides yeah. the pillow rant, right? Just give it give it a better, like beleaguered boyfriend monologue. Then what happens? So Madeline Kahn at one point she does get out of the elevator. We should say that. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets out. Um, that's when we're they, introduced to Juliet Lewis, or that's when Juliet Lewis comes to the suicide hotline because she like presses she the needs, elevator and then. The elevator goes down right and wow. she, she wants to have somewhere to stay because she's trying to break up with felix and then yeah. that's when he gets his head his head bashed and then that's when right. he the bed mm-hmm. and everything yeah um so eventually we're doing a real pulp fiction of this movie like it's great it's more interesting it. this way it is it is yeah it's a puzzle box folks yeah it's a jj abrams um mystery <laughs> box movie um eventually uh chris shows up at the apartment but Steve Martin isn't there, so like nobody knows who this person is or why she's there. Right. Um eventually it's just her and Gracie and Madeline Kahn. Yeah. And Madeline Kahn gets knocked out. That's right. And so Gracie Gracie runs out and it's just Chris and Madeline Kahn. And then Steve Martin comes back and then we get this a solid five or ten minutes of like trans panic jokes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, they yeah, they're just talking like um, Chris is on one end of a couch, and then Steve Martin goes to sit down and like sits at the total opposite end, uh, end of the couch, and then Chris slides over and yeah. is aggressive and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they talk about like going to a dance club and and seeing oh Henry God. Kissinger. <laughs> yeah, Henry. <laughs> like I don't know if if the subtext of that joke was henry kissinger is a sex pervert because he likes trans women yeah like i couldn't I, figure it, it, out. it was really opaque and i'm mm-hmm. not sure what they were trying to get at no i i really have no idea what they were trying to get at. i'm, I'm sure honestly. it was shitty whatever it was right no exactly 
Um, yeah, it's just a weird name drop. Like, I think it's like one of the only name drops of like a public figure in this movie. Yeah, of like non-fictional people. Yeah, it's strange. Just that it was Henry Kissinger. Whatever. Um, I I finally got my Mike Gravel buttons, and uh, one of them is the uh, send yes. Henry Kissinger to the Hague. Hell yes. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if he died when we release this episode? Oh my god! Imagine, yeah, this kills him. From from our lips to God's ears, inshallah. Please <laughs> take him, take him, God, take him. We, we need him. a win. It's politics have been shit lately. Yeah. Um. And uh. But you know, peacefully, whatever. Uh, in we, Minecraft. In Minecraft, <laughs> whatever, whatever we have to say. Uh, allegedly, die, he can allegedly die. I think you can pray for somebody's death. That's not like a threat. Yeah, probably. No one listens to this podcast anyway. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I have my phone right here, though, so the NSA is clearly oh, listening yeah. to this. And mine's on airplane mode, so. Mm, that, that, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> um, there's a really important part of this movie we haven't mentioned at all, that there's a serial killer on the loose. Oh, yeah. They, they allude yeah. to this, and uh, the callers mention him, and people mention him, uh, mm. the, the seaside strangler. Yeah. Yeah, he kills people with um, fishing wire and leaves like kelp. It made me think of SpongeBob the the hash slinging oh, yeah, slasher. slasher. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there was like kelp involved and it was like the beach, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's largely unexplored um, until the end of the movie. It's really the only point that they could, it comes into play. Yeah, they could they could have incorporated it a lot better. Um, I mean, I, I guess they mentioned it once or twice. Like, like the female characters mentioned how they're afraid to go outside right. alone at night because mm-hmm. of the the strangler. Yeah, and they think Chris is the strangler when Chris comes to the door because they're like, "Who's there?" And like, Chris doesn't answer. Right. They think right, right, right. They let Chris in anyway. Um, but eventually, everyone ends up back at the apartment um, office. Yeah. Uh, all six of them. We have Steve Martin. We have Rita Wilson. We have Adam Sandler, we have Chris, we have... Um, Not Madeline Kahn, because Madeline Kahn is getting jiggy right. with it on the beach. Right, she yeah. she hooks up on the beach with, with um, a character Robert we Klein. Haven't, yeah, Robert Klein, a character we haven't talked about either. And their dogs watch. <laughs> yeah. His dogs watch. Yeah, him. he has three dogs. Yeah, so earlier when she's stuck in the elevator, we're introduced to uh, Mr. Lobel, played by Robert Klein. Um, yeah. He's just an old guy with a flat brim cap who... Um, just walks his dogs and he calls Madeline Kahn a dog hater. And um, what was the amazing line he says to her? Well, he says like, it's like, you, you sent one of my dogs to the pound. And she's like, he almost gave me rabies. And they just have like a back and forth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he's like, I'm a trained mechanic and I'm not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah. So there's, 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 a good line. there's this antagonism. And then later as Madeline Kahn um, gets uh, more flustered and, and, um, you know, she kind of she takes off in a huff. Yeah, she takes off in a huff. Um, her car, uh, car battery dies. Then the the automobile club comes, and she's about to leave. The fruitcake is thrown out of the yeah. window, and it, it breaks her. It breaks, it breaks her windshield. Window. And then, and then that's the, her breaking point. Um, she gets out of the car. Mr. Lobel is coming. She like just uh, she plants one on him. Uh, they well, start no, he, embracing. He's, he's like, what, what can I do you for, Mrs. Munchik? Yeah, and she's like, my husband used to say that. Yes. Jumps in his arms. Yep. And yep. <laughs> she jumps his bones, um, and then they do it on the beach. Yep, in uh, in with the dogs right there. Yeah, just dogs are just, it's yeah, it's really strange. Um, 
so yeah she's not at the the like christmas eve party uh scene right she comes right. But, a um, little later gracie and felix do show up too mm-hmm. yeah actually no gracie shows up gracie shows felix up. does not yet yeah well gracie's been he, there for a little while well gracie shows up with rita wilson what's her what's the character's name Catherine O'Shaughnessy. Yeah. The one, the one <laughs> so that I think you thought was an actually an actress in the movie. Whatever. What it's all it, pe- people are not following along. We're we're just describing shit that happens. So. <laughs> so the two of them show up because they they give each other a makeover. That's right. Yes. yes and yes. and Steve Martin's like, oh, I was up. Oh, oh god! Yeah. Just like his eyes pop out of his head. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What else have we? What else are we missing? Is there any like important beat or any interesting beat that we've missed so far? Well, no, because no. this is when Felix shows up to. The, they're sitting down to Christmas dinner, um, and he shows up with a gun and he threatens right. threatens people with a, with a gun. Right. Oh, and the gun um, exists because earlier in the movie, when we're first introduced to Gracie and Felix, Gracie. Is like, oh, I have this gun because I'm worried about the Seaside Strangler. Right. And so he puts it in uh, a cookie jar. Classic, classic Chekhov's gun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Classic. Like, picture picture perfect. 10 points for form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then he comes to the party uh, wielding the gun, just, you know. And I, th- I think they, they kind the justification for an otherwise sympathetic character threatening them with a gun is like, he's still loopy on, his, on the dog medicine. Right. Mm-hmm um still still pretty bad thing to do to threaten your, your pregnant girlfriend with <laughs> yes. a gun but like <laughs> yeah i i think i think it's supposed to be quote-unquote justified because he's like off his mind on on meds mm. right yeah so um he he pops off a few shots uh chris is shot in the foot chris is shot in the foot he shoots the ceiling and like plaster falls on oh him, yeah which is yeah kind of funny. that was funny it's like big trouble in little china yeah um, <laughs> and then they get the gun away from him and and Gracie has it, and she's like, "We have to empty it." And she starts shooting yeah. things, like windows and shit. Which is, that was really funny. that was really funny. Yeah, instead of just and, like you know opening the gun and taking the bullets out. Yeah, instead of like <laughs> emptying it by by hand, she just empties it by trigger. Um, and one of the one of the bullets, she puts it to the front door, like yeah. the center of the front door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they hear the buzzer. Yeah. And someone's leaning on the buzzer, and it's, the buzzer is still going. And they're like, oh, okay, well, Jesus, we're coming, we're coming. They open the door, and the corpse of Gary Shinlane falls in the room because <laughs> he had been at the door, and she yeah, shot him. They shot him. Um, like, I guess in the head? I don't really remember where the wound was. I think it wasn't there was very like graphic. Some, some fake blood coming down his forehead. Yeah, yeah, not very graphic. It, it is his head because they use the bullet hole as an impromptu uh, peephole later. Yes, right. So it's, yeah, it's pretty high up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like right. Head, head level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So now we have uh, a dead body. Um, Classic screwball setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they gotta get rid of it. So um, Felix and Gracie, uh, at this point, they've they've made up sort of, and they're uh, making out in the background at one point. It's really yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, they decide to wrap him up in burlap, um, which we don't actually see. This is off screen. Something else is happening. Oh, I think this is when uh, Steve Martin and Catherine uh, O'Shaughnessy, or when Philip and Catherine O'Shaughnessy are go. fucking. Uh, they fuck in the bathroom. They fuck in the bathroom. Because it's so strange. He's like, he, she passed his, she pass out or something? And he's like, oh, let me she, draw you a bath. 
she starts like going into shock. Yes. Because um because Gary Shandling, there's a there's a dead body on the floor. And yeah, and she goes into shock and he's like, I'll I'll draw you a bath so you can warm up because like that's what you're supposed to do when someone goes into shock. Right. Um but it's also like a pretext to get her naked too. Right. Yeah. Um and then she kinda comes to and uh he's like he asks her if No, she kinda intimates that she wants him to help her into the bath. Yeah, she's like, help me in the bath. And he's like, you want me to get Gracie so right. she's not get undressed? Yeah. Like, no, I want no, you to do I want it. You. Yeah, yeah, they, so he just, it takes the straps I've always, off. I've loved you ever since I met you. Yeah, um, yeah. It takes the straps off of her dress and then they do, they fuck, but we don't, obviously we don't see that. But intercut with this is um, Adam Sandler and Liev Schreiber yes. getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, woke, fail son, short king Adam Sandler yeah. is the only character who does not misgender. Yep. Chris, yep. who is entirely just treats her like a normal person, isn't like there's no like co- there's comedy in their interaction, but it's not based around her gender. Right. Mm-hmm. He's actually the only one who asks what her name is. That's how we figure yes. out her name. Um, because yeah, he, oh so my god, yeah. earlier when they're sitting down for Christmas Eve dinner, um, so Nick had mentioned earlier, Adam Sandler's character Louis Capshaw is in love with Catherine. Um, right. unrequited love so he sings her a song it's like uh, what is it it's like so many things to yes. wonder yeah, about like, you yeah it's like Catherine does your name start with a C or a K okay. <laughs> <laughs> your Adam Sandler singing voice is pretty good oh thanks oh yeah. and what's the next line um Oh, what's like? I, I wonder oh, if yes. you have like no, a fat aunt or a skinny uncle or yeah, something. Like, he's like, he's like, I wonder if you enjoy almond joy or Milky Way. Yes. <laughs> and he's he's dressed. Everyone got like dressed up in their best for like, oh, Christmas yeah. dinner, and he, he's wearing like a gondola boys like outfit. <laughs> yeah. Like a, he looks like he should be like doing the doing the gondola stick on a gondola mm-hmm. through venice yeah. or something yeah is and he has a ukulele have we have yes. you said that yeah it's it's just incredible he's so good at this movie he's amazing. um yeah so then he he tweaks that song because he asked chris um because at this point also chris bangs her nose and she's like this is my best not yet, feature well, not yet she she'd gotten shot in the foot but we find out it was just it just like grazed her toe yeah so it's not serious and um one of the one of like the pratfall comedy bits is Steve Martin shoves open the door because he's looking for medicine for 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 Catherine. Right. And in doing so, he he bangs her on the nose with the door. Right. Um. So yeah, Adam Sandler is sitting down with her, and he asks her her name, and he starts singing the song. He changes it to, um. I wonder yeah, if, I don't know Chris if Chris starts starts this year. <laughs> He changes the other lyrics though; they're different. Also, um, when they when they're introducing the, themselves to each other and they're telling themselves about what they do and shit, he's like, "I'm a writer." Oh yeah. She's like, "Oh, what do you write?" He's like, "T-shirts." <laughs> he's like, "Have you heard of Save the Dolphins?" I came up with that. He's like, "Well, I didn't come up with it, but I'm the first person to put it on a shirt." And then she she's like, "Well, what about Have you heard of Life's a Beach?" He's like, "Yeah, that's a great one." Yeah. Does he say like, "Yeah, I met the guy who made that yeah, shirt. He snubbed me at a party." <laughs> Which is amazing because I I have worked in a mall oh, yeah. printing store. That's right. So I you can have. I can relate to to this guy, the best <laughs> character in the film. Yeah, and then so 
and previously when he sings the song to Catherine, um, afterwards, she's like, no one's ever wrote me a song before. It's so great. And he's like, yeah, I, I wrote it in longhand. It took me like eight weeks. <laughs> like eight, like eight months. <laughs> he's like, I had to quit my job. <laughs> no, their, their interactions are, are genuinely charming. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, everything that comes out of his mouth is gold. Um, and then from here, yeah, so this is when Gracie and Felix are, um, they shove um, Stanley, the landlord, Gary Shandling, in burlap sack, and they are they super gluing um, parts of the Christmas tree. Because actually, I don't know if we mentioned this, but earlier when John Stewart and Parker Posey have the Christmas tree, they drop it. Um, when Felix crashes into it, Felix breaks a branch off, and they're like, this was a perfectly symmetrical tree. You fucked it up. You owe us a tree. And then right. Steve Martin just takes the tree, um, and he puts it up in, in their office. So right. later, they, they take this tree apart branch by branch, and they, they crazy glue the branches onto the uh, Gary Shandling, uh, who's in a, a burlap sap. And they're like, he actually has great posture. <laughs> well, there's two funny lines from this part. There, there's the He actually has great posture. And, um, and Gracie's like, yeah, I love a man with great posture. Felix has great posture. He's like, thanks, hon. And when he says that, he slouches past the frame yeah, yeah. with bad posture. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> typical virgin walk posture. But it's yeah. Just virgin walk posture and a Chad body. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he is very much a Chad. He's yeah. great. Um, and then the other funny line is... Um, when Gracie's like, oh, we wrapped him in burlap sack. It, like, in burlap. It's, it's really scratchy, but not if you're dead. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, um, he looks like a Christmas tree... Um, they, um, they bring him outside cause like you can leave the tree on the boardwalk and the trash people just pick it up, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's their haphazard plan to get rid of the body. Yeah. Um, so they go outside and they're like, okay, only four of us are going to go. And they're like, but we want to come. It's like, okay, only six of us are going to go. And, and that's all of them. And then it's all of them. And then they actually meet, uh, Ms. Muchnick and Mr. Lobel, uh, right. post-coitus, right. uh, on the boardwalk so it's like with a the bunch dogs of them with the dogs and they're all singing something and the dogs are tr- the dogs are tr- sniffing the tree and because they're, they're trying to bite it yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something what are they singing See, like, to it really does come together at this part because yeah. like oh for sure um the the screwball elements really get going and like there there's always a new element being thrown in there's always another wrench being thrown into the works that's um that's complicating things and then the, the absurdities just start piling up on top of each other, which is what more of the movie should have been. You know, I just wish the film um, highlighted more of the, the class politics uh, of, right. of the story because, I mean, um, if it's to be a, a true screwball, the original screwballs from the 30s were all about class um, and, you yep. know, and, and the clashing between an upper class and a lower class, um, mm-hmm. specifically during, you know, the Great Depression. Um but yep. we really don't get that. I mean, the eviction thing is just kind of a plot beat. Yeah, and that's I was going to say that's wild because the whole plot is the inciting incident is right. um, is eviction, which is very much a class based issue. Right. I yeah, I think um, I think it's just a product of like the the relatively apolitical or, or ostensibly apolitical tone of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. that, that's like the end of history. That's like um, oh we, we've we've figured everything out. Like like. Clintonite neoliberalism is the way it means people can afford to be apolitical. Um, yeah, it, I think it just belies the, mm-hmm. the 
the tone of the of the decade. Yeah. No, I think it is. I think it's like the uh, the perfect '90s Christmas movie for that reason alone. Yeah. 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 Um, especially just like you know, we have this these these wacky cast of characters, and uh, we have this trans person, and we can say and do whatever we want. You know, we right. have like this uh this crazy pregnant lady we have you know we're talking about mental illness and you know we're just uh, right. we're throwing it all at the wall and you know there are and there are class issues right in front of our face but we're not going to connect the dots and and make that part of the movie even though it very much would be a part of the story if if you thought about it for more than five seconds right right yeah which is which is a very 90s sentiment mm-hmm. definitely um so yeah then they um they're about to, you know, dispose of the body. Um, but then um, we see Parker Posey and Jon Stewart coming out of right. uh, the darkness, <laughs> just skating towards like us. Emerge from the shadows. Yeah. Um, and they're like, hey, it's them. And Felix is like, oh, my God, it's them. Mamma mia. <laughs> um, and he actually. They get, re- they get revenge and they, they specifically target them. Yeah, they specifically target them and they knock the tree aka stanley gary shandling out of their hands it like flies up in the air the um the pieces of the tree the tree branches fly off uh it thuds on the ground and um we we can see uh his hand sticking out of the burlap it falls apart enough that the conveniently passing squad car notices yeah 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 (laughs) yeah everybody kind of converges like there's just like a group of people outside already and they all just like converge on the spot a few squad cars and um you know everybody has to give their 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 testimony to what happened yeah and um eventually gracie fesses up that she shot him but uh Felix is like no my baby's not going to jail so he grabs the gun and takes off yeah and he climbs on top of a roof and we get the Haley Joel Osment cameo. Yes. Like baby, like <laughs> three-year-old Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, he's like, he's look, very mommy, young. it's Santa. Because, <laughs> of course, Felix is still in the, the, the Guido Christmas yes. Santa outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really almost never gets out of that. Um, they talk him down. Well, actually, you know, Steve Martin talks him down. Right. Um, and they attempt to do like a completion of his arc because right. like oh see he can be good in person he just needs to like try mm-hmm. and apply apply empathy and yeah. not be an asshole well no he just needs to get laid first exactly <laughs> <laughs> he needs to get laid first and he has to deal exclusively with italians yep because <laughs> they, they are simple people <laughs> <laughs> just you know you get some pasta sauce you get uh get a meatball a stromboli get a a spicy meatball you uh, (laughs) it's like you know there's like this the polack jokes where it's like how do you get a one-armed polack out of a tree you wave at him right it's like how do you get uh an italian off of a a roof you i don't know give him pizza pie you order order a pizza pie (laughs) (laughs) give him some sambuca hey um so yeah, they, he he comes down and everyone's like, oh, he's not gonna jump off and kill himself. Uh, yay, we're all happy. Um, and they're about to arrest Gracie when they start looking through Gary Shanlin's bag, um, and it's it's fishing wire and and, and seaweed yeah. because he, of course, is, he the, is the seaside strangler, the hashling slasher, the hashling. Uh. Slasher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she it wouldn't work like this but they free her and they <laughs> yeah. give her the $250,000 yep. reward money yep 
um, and, uh, and she she's gives, rich. And, yeah, she's rich, and she gives five thousand to Steve Martin because that's all they need to keep the business afloat. Yeah, also all that ends well. Um, she gives birth to the baby. Yeah, right she there, labor. Uh, yep. under a gigantic tr- Christmas tree in the uh, middle of town. Uh, Rob Reiner is is nearby, yep. and he he's conveniently able to deliver the baby. Yep. She's also dressed um, like the Virgin Mary at this point. Yep. Yeah. They, she has like a I mean, shawl she, she, over her head. <laughs> she dresses like a hippie throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like hippie, hippie inspired, like just bohemian yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's she's literally wearing like a veil. Yeah. And then the, we see the three wise men come, and there's this another tableau shot where they're right. all just in a line. Um, the camera pans back and pans back yep. and pans back, and just, and this is where ever everyone's like hugging and kissing, and Steve Martin proposes to Rita Wilson. Right. Um. Adam Sandler and Lee Schreiber kiss each other. That's right. She kisses him, yep. and he's like, and he's like happy, and he hugs her back. Yeah. So like, a little bit of redemption for this shitty portrayal of a trans character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we'll take it, folks. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Um, what we won't take is the last shot, the last, last, last shot of this oh movie. Oh my god! Yeah. So there's a bit of a time jump here, and uh, I think we had previously mentioned that Felix is an aspiring artist. Um, Typical Phil Sun fashion. He he has a dream and he's really crappy at it. Yeah, and uh, we see he wants to paint murals specifically, and we see a gigantic mural that uh, has uh, uh, different um, pieces of the uh, story in these little like uh, circular emblems, and it looks dog shit, awful. It looks it it it's bad. It's like <laughs> it's just like it's like childish like like caveman drive. yeah (laughs) i mean it's literally the last shot of the film and then actually it fades to black but the little circular emblems almost like christmas ornaments i think they look like um they stay on the screen and then we continue to see them throughout the credits actually yeah like really wonky like fun credits um and they actually because the the little medallions they they're bordered by yellow thin yellow circles um so like you'll have little vignettes like oh like i don't know like um steve martin and rita wilson rita wilson just like kissing but like yeah. they're they're drawn kissing and they're within a circle and they have that yellow bo- that thin yellow border around the circle um the thin yellow border filter on twitter you're supposed to put that in your Abbey if you're part of the Kamala Harris K-Hive. Really? So, uh, yeah. So, I think this movie not only predicted Kamala Harris's um, being the Attorney attorney General of California because yeah. it takes place in L.A., That's right. but it also predicted her loss and the subsequent um, filter of the K-Hive to do that yellow, thin yellow border around your, around your avatar. Wow. Photo. Wow. Impression. That's my galaxy galaxy yeah. brain <laughs> mixed nuts <laughs> mixed nuts predicted the 2020 primaries. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is incredible. Um, that's better than the ending of this film, or that's uh, yeah. the best interpretation of the ending of this film by far. Um, this film also ends with the song uh, "The Night Before oh Christmas" God. by Carly Simon. Um, but a bad cover of it. No, no, it's 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 her. Like it's the Carly Simon really? version, which was uh, made for another Nora Ephron movie, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So, recycling content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, it's just it's one of the worst Christmas songs. 
Yeah, it's it's bad. We'll probably end this this episode with the, with a sample of it. Yeah, that or uh, Adam Sandler. Or song. Adam Sandler. Okay, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't we, tell. Props, yeah, I don't know. We we have to give it to the woke king. This <laughs> woke woke short king. Um, we have a few workers of note here, and honestly, we're just we're just giving it to a bunch of uncredited people because mm-hmm. that's that's always a shitty thing to do in your film. Like I understand that on huge Hollywood productions, you have to. Yep, there are space considerations, but like on a movie like this, there's no reason not right. to credit everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, start off with James W. Scotch DePole. Amazing last name. Scotch DePole. <laughs> uh, this is crazy that he's uncredited because he's the second unit director. Like, yeah. that's kind of crazy. I mean, he's not the first unit director, but still, like, you usually credit the second unit director. So maybe he wanted his name taken off. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I hate everything I shot. Please take yes, it away. Please. Um, and then we have uh, Brick Mason. <laughs> and no, he's not in like the construction department. He nope. is the uh, storyboard artist. Kind of makes sense, like drawing, drawing, ske- like rooms and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, sure. Um, which I guess yeah, it's really what he'd be doing. He just kind of draws rooms. I mean, it's just a uh, you know very few locations that's why it has like a that kind of theatrical um you know quality to it because it's really just like right two or three sets right um we were we were saying that this movie would be better as as a as a play yeah um mm. you could you could easily um I, I just think in my head like when you do the the suicidal depression uh phone scenes you could have like you could light one side of the stage and have right. like the, that be the office and then just like light the other side of the stage and have like someone simulating being in the phone booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We got to make this into a play now. Yeah, we we have to will it into being. We will. Um, who else do we have here? We have uh, Christopher Nelson, um, not Christopher Nolan. Uh, nope. He is a set dresser. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the, the sets are good. Um, the set the dressings court- are good. Gracie's quirky, like consignment shop, mm-hmm. was in. It, it is something you would see, like uh, on the strip in L.A. Yeah, and the office slash uh, apartment as well is right. just um, yeah. a good lived in. lived in set. We have um, oh god, Robert Jarugui, Jar Jarugi, um, stunt yeah. double for for Steve Martin. Um, he kind of flies through the air at a couple times. Yeah, um, he he's thrown up, he like bumps into things and shit. Um, we have Hannah Kozak, stunt double for Parker Posey, uh, which must have been crashing crashing into stuff, like the, the tree. Yeah, I guess in the... I, I'm sure she obviously had to be on the rollerblades for, you know, portions of filming, but probably the right. scenes where she had to crash that's all into she, things. That's all she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, we have Paul Caven, um, rigging gaffer. Uh, we have David Lanfear Jr., production assistant. Uh, and we have a special yes. shout out here to uh, Kurt Lockwood. Um, as a he, he has a small cameo as a rollerblading snowman in the opening, the, the good opening mm-hmm. uh, sequence. Um, if you're gonna, if you're gonna IMD, if you're gonna Google Mr. Lockwood's name, please do it in an incognito tab. Yeah, mm-hmm. not at work. You, you might, you might say it's not safe to do so while at work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a porn actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, closing thoughts, uh, Nick. Who would you recommend this movie to? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a great movie to watch 
like when you wake up at 1.30 in the afternoon because you stayed up too late the night before watching Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex for free on Adult Swim um dot com because that's your life for right now and like you can you can easily digest it while checking twitter and writing notes and texting people it, it's a perfect film for anyone who needs that kind of thing in their life mm-hmm. yeah if you have that specific Not that, I know life that yes. we know nothing about um yes. this is the film for you mm-hmm. um for sure our woke recommendation uh, is for everybody to go see Uncut Gems. Um, yeah, we actually haven't seen it yet. It's not out yet. Um, no, but it, it looks good. It looks it good. Looks I like good. the trailer. Um, I like the little like uh, jewel encrusted Furby. Oh my hell yes! Yeah. That that thing is gonna kill Baby Yoda. Yeah, hopefully. And and eat it. Eat it. <laughs> Yeah, because like, Baby yeah, it, Yoda eats like little frogs. So now, what eats Baby Yoda? It's a jewel encrusted Furby. Mm, yes, that's that's the the circle of life in mm-hmm. the Star Wars universe. Yep, in the Star Wars Uncut Gem crossover universe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, just more to the point, Adam Sandler. He's it's easy to shit on him because he deserves it sometimes. Yeah. But um, I mean, he. I think when he tries, he he's a good actor. Um, everyone always cites Punch Drunk Love, which I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. He's good in that um, for sure. Yeah, and I've also heard he's. I think he's a Republican, but I've also heard like he's very kind to industry and service workers. Oh, okay, and he tips very well. So like, the duality of man uh, never ceases to confound. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, for a '90s film uh, of his, it's. Um, it's one of the better performances. Like he's not, he's yeah. doing his shtick, but he's not doing like his happy Madison shtick, you know, like he's uh, doing yeah. kind of like more yeah. of his old SNL shtick. Um, yes. And he's given better yes, characterization. Definitely. Yeah. And, and like we, we made jokes about it, but the character is, is just sincerely the only non-transphobic character in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, truly Besides a Chris herself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, which actually, if we if we think about it, the character's portrayal is transphobic, right? But like, yes, but the character's um, actions and dialogue are yeah. not right. Diegetically, metatextually transphobic. Diegetically, not. We're a film podcast, <laughs> folks. We're using those terms. <laughs> um, uh, and bespoke. Our, this this one's this one's all you. Yeah. Right? So um, for everybody who will be traveling home for the holidays. Um, mm. I recommend that you cosplay as Anthony LaPaglia's Felix from this movie. <laughs> um, you just dress in like uh, a wife beater undershirt. Um, actually, no, he's not wearing a wife beater. He's wearing just a regular undershirt with like short right. sleeves. Okay. Right. Do whatever you want in terms of undershirt, but you have to wear an undershirt. Um, yep. Maybe some tidy whities uh, yep. and then a, a dirty grungy ass Santa costume. Um, yes. Probably don't bring a gun to your family Christmas, please. Depends. <laughs> context, context, context matters. Yeah, context maybe you're going to go hunting. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, just like black pill your family. Um, do some more on Christmas shit. I, I think this will be our last episode of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we will not be F- doing this is, one this next is 52. week. This is 52. Yep, exactly. Wow. Yeah, um, December has five mondays so we are not releasing one the 30th 
Sure. Yeah. Um, right, 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 but right. we will be back the week after that with a uh, extra special surprise. Um, the hint is think of our first episode. Exactly, folks. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that is a good hint because no one's going to get it. No. Nope. Um, nope. But it's, it's certainly applicable. Um, but yeah, so 52 episodes. It's been a year of doing this. It's been really fun. Um, have, we have no plans to stop anytime soon. I mean, at least I don't. I don't. No. Yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's really good. Um, I just want to thank Lewis for doing a really good job. He makes most of this happen. Uh, he does the editing and everything. Oh, thank and, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been really fun. And it's been it a really been. fun yes. bonding exercise. And we... We would like to reach out to some more people to do some more guest episodes in the in the coming year. Yeah, and I gotta thank Nick um, for that. I mean, he really pushed me on the whole idea of guest episodes, and they've been great. I mean, he's really been yeah. um, the the main driving force for that. You know, the majority of the guests. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's 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 been a it's been a good ratio, but um, but we we certainly have some more people lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be another year two of Procon. Yeah, man, year can't wait to. Electric Boogaloo. Um, <laughs> yes. Maybe we can even do that movie. Who knows? Yeah, might be too much of a meme yeah. movie, but whatever. Yeah. We'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure it out, folks. Cool. Well, have a very merry. We hope you had a very merry Christmas. We hope you will have a very yep. merry Christmas. This will, be, this will air before. Yeah, a few it's days before. A weird, weird nothing time of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see you next year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Um, you know. Don't worry about New Year's resolutions. Um, they're overrated. Although I will share with you all my New Year's resolution, and that is to see zero MCU films. Yes. And that's going to be my New Year's resolution every year from here on out. Yes. <laughs> that's going to be your New Year's resolution for the rest of your life because yes. they're never going to stop making them. They're never going to stop making them. And now that they're connecting them to the Disney Plus TV shows, uh, it's like the, the scam is just so obvious. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, Martin Scorsese forever, uh, Bernie 2020. <laughs> um, it's gonna happen. We're gonna walk the golden path. Everything's gonna be fine. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna be fine in 2020, folks. It's it's our year, as they say. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Scorsese and Bernie are gonna team up. Uh, they put that Brooklyn power yes. uh, and uh, and Gulag Bob Iger. I mean, oh my god! It's actually that Amazing. Bob Iger is like both of their enemies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because it, like he is, um, he's he's attacked Disney before uh bernie, bernie tweeted today about bob Iger. did he really yeah oh he, he said like um he he said something like oh disney is only is only just managing to pay their their employees minimum wage now meanwhile bob Iger goes home with like a 160 million dollar bonus or something shit oh my god yeah. make it happen make yes. it happen <laughs> uh so in summation thank you very much fuck movie bob and we'll see you next time <laughs> <laughs> bye folks Children carry through the streets a brightly painted star. Angels gather around the hearth, strumming on guitars. Men of great renown and faith say prayers on boulevards. It's the night before Christmas.
With a C or a K. I wonder whether you prefer I'm in joy to Milky Way. I wonder whether you sleep to the left or to the right. I wonder who you think would win if me and Philip got into a fight. Oh, so many things for me to wonder. So very pretty. I wonder when Elliot said goodbye to E.T. Did you break down and cry? I wonder if I gave you pudding, eggs, and flour. Could you make a Boston cream pie? I wonder if your eyes close when you come in for a kiss. I wonder if we had a baby, would you object to having a bris? Many things for me to wonder. Oh, I love grape jelly. That's it? It's a work in progress. It may never be finished.